Welcome back to Jake's World, episode 59 of Jake's World, presented by the Nuance Magazine. I'm your host, Jake Sawinski, and today is Wednesday, March 3rd, 2021. Another wild week. <laughs> Another wild week, and it all seemed to happen within the last, uh, no, two, three days. So, the end of last week was pretty calm. Um kind of less on the sports stuff this week i mean there will be a few topics involving sports i mean some free agency stuff and a couple of other things here and there but it's gonna be a little bit less of a sports show today just with uh some of the more recent developments uh monday tuesday and even a little bit today so uh let's get right into it um need to talk about sports gambling a little bit yesterday was better hit a nice little four-legger four-leg parlay but oh my god this is going to be more of a rant than anything but betting on college basketball has to be the most nerve-wracking thing that you could do gambling really has to be you have 18 to 23 year olds most of the time and unless you're Perry Ellis like 50 but um you have kids younger than me playing sports and it is so frustrating when as a sports better that you do all your homework you cannot possibly watch any of the games. Or all of the games, I should say. You cannot possibly watch all of them. But you do your best to pay attention and watch as much as you can, read as much as you can, look at numbers the best you can. And it is so frustrating when you have a team do exactly what they shouldn't do and you do everything right. You make the right pick. And it still doesn't go your way. Now. Does that happen in the pros? Yes, of course. But the pro guys are a little more predictable, right? Let me tell you about some of the bad beats I had. This, and They're not even bad beats. Like, they weren't even close. They were just bad picks based on what happened. Shitty bets. Um, it got crushed Sunday. Just crushed on Sunday. Um, Monday wasn't much better. No, Monday was stupid too. But then, uh, yesterday was nice. It was a nice little rebound from, you know, a couple, like a week or two, pretty bad stretch. But, uh, listen to this. We had, I had a good Saturday, right? Saturday, I was on, um, did like three, three big games in the hockey or the college basketball hockey parlay. We had fell apart pretty early. But um, we do little unit, little numbers on those, so that's not a big deal. But, okay, Michigan, Indiana. Michigan's on the road. They take care of business. They win by eight plus. Cover the spread. Good. Uh, next game we did, Arkansas-LSU. 
that was a little bit of a sweaty first half. They were down 10 at one point. They ended up winning by like 9, 8. I think the spread was 6.5 or 7. So they were up at 20 at one point in the second half, and Arkansas almost had a – LSU almost had a backdoor cover. So survived there. FSU, North Carolina. Oh, my God. I don't think I've ever yelled at the TV as much as I had until Sunday up to that point. FSU's on the road. They're playing North Carolina, who's not a good team this year. I mean, if you pay attention to college hoops whatsoever, it is mostly Big 12, Big 10. I think the Big 12 has seven teams in the top 25. Big 10 has six. The ACC has three. The SEC has two. And then there's um, two in the Big East. And then your others. Oh, one in the Pac-12. Colorado in the Pac-12. And then like your other teams like Gonzaga. Uh, Loyola, Chicago. A um, couple of your kind of mid-major. You could call it mid-majors. Not really mid-major. Some of them are. Some of them aren't. But. There's not a lot of um, depth, right? It's top of the conference, and then there's a huge fall off. You know, I mean, that's almost a bad way of explaining it. Typically, it's the ACC that has, you know, anywhere from five to ten teams ranked, and it's just not the case this year. Duke's bad. UNC's not very good. Syracuse is often ranked. They weren't. They're not very good. Clemson's usually up there. Virginia and Virginia Tech are in there, but they're not as dominant as they usually are. FSU is one of them. They're on the road. They're one-point favorites to start. I think we got them at two, minus two. They're playing in North Carolina. And uh, they're up like 15 at the first half. North Carolina's turning the ball over. They're rebounding well, but they're not making many shots. So... You can't do this when you bet on sports. You can't, you know, get complacent. You have to, like, not mail in your bet. You have to pay attention. And you have to yell at the TV. That way the players, like, feel your anger through the ethos or the ether or whatever you say. And they play better. I didn't do that. FSU comes out and plays the exact same way UNC did in the second half, and I lose. They lost by 10. That was tough pick Kansas to cover later in the evening. Okay, day wasn't bad. Sunday. Villanova's playing Butler. On the road. It's an 11 point spread or 12 point spread. They shot 2 of 27 from 3. They lose to Butler. Butler's ass. Not only did they not cover, we chased it in the second half when they were down 10. Had a money line pick. They were plus 120. You have to risk 100 to get 120 if you don't know how that works. We don't bet that much, but the math checks out. They didn't win. That was bad. Later, we were on Ohio State. Four-point uh, favorites at home against Iowa. Iowa is playing better defense, but they typically don't play defense. Ohio State was struggling. They lost a close one to Michigan a week before. Lost a close one to Michigan State on the road. And we were like, okay, good bounce back game. They got their asses beat. <sighs> it was a frustrating day. 
And Monday, UNC's on the road to Syracuse. We were pretty fickle about it. We were like, eh, we don't know what to do. We don't know what to do. Thought about it. UNC in March with Roy Williams, you know, one of the best coaches of all time. He's going to get the boys fired up. They're going to go on a little run. They can win by two at Syracuse. No. They shoot like four of 30 from three. They out-rebound Syracuse by 20 and lose. That was frustrating. But yesterday was better. But if you do need some excitement right now, find a way to gamble on sports. And don't ruin your life. You know, you listen to all the gambling shows. You read the gambling sites. Call 1-800-GAMBLER if you have a problem. But it's fun. It's a fun way to get your blood pressure up. Get a little juice in the game. It makes watching sports much more enjoyable. Like last night, first leg of our parlay was Baylor minus four and a half on the road at West Virginia. They win by five. Blood pressure was twice as high as it needed to be. And even if that one didn't hit, the 20 bucks was well spent. Or the five bucks on the parlay was well spent. It's just it's how it works out sometimes. But if you do need some excitement in your life, I highly recommend it as long as you do it safely. Okay, NFL free agency talk. Where is Deshaun Watson going? Where's Russell Wilson going? Where was J.J. Watt going to go? It was really funny watching the headlines and paying attention to um, the rumor mill going on with especially J.J. Watt because the media is like so, so invested into finding a leg up on, you know, guessing where the player's going to (laughs) go. Like somebody photoshopped a picture of the Peloton that J.J. Watt doesn't have about, like, what three teams he was going to go to, and then he signs with the team that wasn't even on that leaked picture. It's really funny, but... um, J.J. Watt signed with the Arizona Cardinals for, I think, two years, 31 million, two years, 32 million yesterday. 22 or 23 million of that's guaranteed it's just um not where you expected him to go kind of weird but um we'll see how that goes I mean I don't remember the guy's name it's like Cameron Walker or something it's led the league in sacks or has like the most sacks in the league right along with J.J. Watt since like 2011 something like that I don't remember the exact statistic and I'm too lazy to look it up but it's a good defensive line now. Um, Arizona still needs to figure a lot of things out, I think, especially on the defensive side of the ball. This might help. But, I mean, J.J. Watts, it's kind of weird because he's at the point of his career. It's like been in the league like 10 years now, maybe a little less than that. But you've been in the league a long time. You've made your dough. You're chasing the one thing that you've never had a real shot at, and it's a Super Bowl ring. And he goes to a not contender, right? I mean, just using some common sense, you'd think um, Green Bay would be a popular destination. He's from Wisconsin. He's from Pewaukee. Um, Went to school at Wisconsin for half of his career, or his college career. Um, the Steelers, you know, could play with his brother. Tampa Bay, 
take a pay cut and go with a clear favorite next season on an already loaded defense. Then you sign with Arizona. I don't know. It's just kind of strange. I mean, something wrong with Arizona. It's a great market. I mean, it's not a large one by NFL standards, but there's a lot of perks to living in Phoenix. Or, yeah, I think it's Phoenix. I don't think it's in Scottsdale. It's all the same area, but a lot of perks to that. So, I mean, we'll just see how that one plays out. I'm not really sure. Um, Deshaun Watson kind of in a totally different boat he might not get traded at all because I mean he doesn't have the luxury of being a free agent and controlling his own destiny he has to be traded and I think I mentioned last week that he narrowed his teams down that he wants to go to I think it was like Chicago New York Jets and Giants and I don't know it's kind of strange because if Russell Wilson wants a trade too, I think he indicated Chicago would be a team. I think he indicated Dallas would be a team. I think he indicated that there was another team in there. I don't know if that's what he said or if that's just, you know, the media speculating. I think in Deshaun Watson's case, he actually said those are the teams I would like to be traded to. But um, I don't know. I'm kind of curious to see what happens there. I don't really have you know, a huge formulated opinion on the matter of how he's handling it. I mean, had it, and I think Brett Favre talked a lot about this too. And I think people were kind of ragging him for having an opinion, especially the way he kind of left Green Bay, you know, almost disgraced. But I think Deshaun Watson's in a totally unique situation in Houston, right? Because clearly the owner doesn't have any competency the Jack Easterby guy's a clown that replaced Bill O'Brien. Um, Bill O'Brien had his own problems in managing a team and getting a roster and making smart and adequate moves. Um, had Deshaun Watson not been in that situation, you know, if he was in a semi-capable organization with some competency there, um... I don't know. I feel like he shouldn't be handling it this way. You know, if like the team was actually making decisions that helped the team or, you know, at least in their best judgment were helping the team, I feel like it would be a little different, right? Like there's a difference between not getting it done and not having the keys to get it done, right? And I feel like he falls in the second situation where he has no confidence in the organization, nor should he. And he's like, I want out, no matter which way. And they're going to have to trade him, because if he doesn't get traded, he's just not going to play. He's going to hold out. And then they're going to have to pay him. Or, no, he'll take the pay cut, and then once his contract's up. I I don't know. You know, I feel like it's a different situation, even from when Le'Veon Bell held out for a year. Then he got traded to the Jets. And then they cut him, and he signed with the Chiefs. He got tagged, franchise tagged, and, you know, for one year, can you withhold from taking a pay cut? Yeah. Deshaun Watson just signed a huge deal. Like, I'm not really sure logistically how that would work, if he's going to sit out, if he's going to end up playing and be miserable. I don't know. I mean, a guy like him, you just wish the best for him, because, I mean, he's such a competitor, right, and he's such a talent. Like, you want... 
I feel like if there's anybody in the league that, you know, a fan of a different team wants to have success, it's Deshaun Watson, right? Because, I mean, he's always doing as whatever he can to make the Texans at least competitive. And this year it kind of all fell apart. I mean, even last year they didn't have a real chance, but they were in the playoffs. I mean, they blew a 21 or 24-point lead to the Chiefs in the first, in the second half. Um, I remember my sophomore year of college, I think they beat the Raiders when the Raiders like were the one or two seed in the AFC. I mean, he's been, they've been there, that team. It's just like they, you don't really give them a real chance. You kind of write them off. So, I mean, I'm interested to see how that one plays out too. And then the Russell Wilson situation is also kind of strange because it's like as an organization, you're trying to see what you need to do going forward. Is it the coach or is it the quarterback? Pete Carroll's 70. He's old. How long is he going to coach? If you get rid of the coach and you get a new system to accommodate your franchise quarterback, is he going to leave in two or three years and then you're back to square one? I don't know. The Seahawks have to tread very carefully, and I feel like that's the exact opposite situation that Deshaun Watson's in. They've been there every year, it seems like, and they just haven't been able to get over the hump recently. I mean, they should have won two Super Bowls. They won one. Very bad play call. Lost them the game. And the one they lost to New England. I don't know. The NFL free agency is getting much more relevant. It's almost getting like the NBA free agency where you see, you know, guys eating their way out of town and, um, you know, a lot of buzz going around it. ESPN does a really, really good job of covering the NBA and it's starting to get like that with the N- and th- with the NFL and it's exciting because off seasons are typically boring. Like baseball off season is brutal. The NHL off season is pretty bad too. I mean, I think John Tavares and where he was going to sign after um, his contract expired with the Islanders two three years ago was the most buzz like they've ever had, except maybe with like Wayne Gretzky or something, right? I mean. <clears throat> got to market your stars, and the NFL seems like they're finally doing that, not just in season, but all around the year, too, which is good. So, well, I guess we can (laughs) just keep rolling along with Texas. Fucking Texas. I should insert that sound bite from SpongeBob, where it's like, uh, you mean we can't say anything bad about dumb old Texas, or... Hey, Patrick, what am I? Stupid? No, I'm Texas. What's the difference? Oh, man. Man, I don't agree with that. But um, Governor Abbott of Texas announced that uh, the state was ending its COVID lockdown and its mask mandate, and businesses can resume to 100%. And... Left Twitter is going crazy, and right Twitter is rejoicing. And like with most issues, I find myself in the middle. (sighs) Because I do not um, 
put myself exclusively on one side or the other. Both sides have very good points and both sides have very bad points. But here's the way I see it. We've had a disease that our country has been struggling with and the world has been struggling with. Seems like America more so than other places for the almost a year now. I mean a couple of weeks. I think it was like March 24th would mark one year for Wisconsin anyways. One whole year. Things are getting better. I think that is inexplicably like you can't deny that they are better is that due to this current administration hmm, maybe could it be a time thing also maybe I'd say this administration is taking a more heads-on approach or hands-on approach and attacking the situation head-on and being much more proactive which is a good thing if it's indeed a problem um the vaccine rollout has gotten steadier and the estimates for getting a majority of the population vaccinated continues to, you know, get closer as opposed to staying far away, which is good. But I've said this before too. I've said this when this whole crisis first started. The lockdowns don't help. And I've kind of tiptoed around this issue for, you know, the better part of a year now. I'm not going to tiptoe around it anymore. The lockdowns aren't helpful. They're just not. Our COVID deaths being curved, curbed, curbed, whatever you want to say, because of these lockdowns, sure. But deaths aren't being curbed or curved. People are dying in other ways suicide, overdose, um, higher rates of depression, poverty kills people, not being able to pay your bills does not make things better, kids not going to school doesn't make things better, and it's easy to criticize the situation and how other people handle crises when you yourself aren't in one, right? And I'd say this for myself too because it's been really um, I'm trying to word this. It's been really surreal to me the last year, right? I felt COVID at the beginning of it. I quit my job, and I was looking for a new one, and I couldn't find one. The interview I had lined up, they said, uh, COVID, I'm not going to fly into town. We're just going to have to put this on the back burner. Okay. I got a job in my hometown. I commute. And that's how it's been for... Almost 10 months now. I can't go out to places with my friends. I have to wear a mask at work. But I go to work every day. Most people in my line of work work from home. They work remotely. They feel that pinch. They're trapped inside their apartment or their home with their kids. 
and their wife bitching at them all day, or vice versa. It's been pretty laxed for me. I do everything safe, but I haven't had to make any super tough choices. It's easy for me to say, oh, they're handling that wrong, because I haven't been put the, I, I haven't felt the pressure of needing to choose. And a lot of the people you see online are in the same boat as me. They don't have a dog in the fight. They just criticize. Because the orange man was bad. Or Republicans hate people. Poor people. Minorities. Or those snowflakes are afraid of everything. It's much easier to criticize behind the screen, but most importantly, it's much easier to criticize when you don't have any skin in the game. Texas made a decision based on a tough choice. Do we try to fight this disease that has a mortality rate of 99.4%, which I think it's a staggering amount of that are above people above age 65. I know that. I don't know the exact figure. I think it's like 94.6 of COVID deaths are people above 64. or 65 years or older. And then it's like anomaly, like very, very minimally spread out among the other groups of age ranges. Or do we deal with the problems that arise in our with our economy when people aren't working? People aren't socializing. They're out, not out doing things. And they chose, okay, people need to earn their living. We need to get some sense of normalcy back. Okay. The mask mandate, I don't agree with. But, to be fair... I don't think you should need a mandate to be safe for yourself. Now you could, you know, throw mud at me and say, oh, it's not that hard to wear a mask. No, it's not. I don't have a problem with it. But some people do, and that's their right to do so. But they're selfish. They're doing something so selfish, and, I mean, they could protect other people around them by just wearing a mask. Well, yeah, they could. But they're not you. They're not you. Don't worry about them. Worry about you and your things, what you got going on, your family, and your problems. Don't make their problem your problem. Just worry about you. If you don't feel safe, don't do it. If you don't agree with something... Don't participate in it. Go hide. Like, that's just how I feel about it. And I don't think that Texas is 100% responsible in this decision. But sometimes you got to make tough ones. You do. You just have to. And you can't make everybody happy. And then you have to reason why you made the decision you did that's what the governor decided and we'll see what happens I mean the vaccine process isn't 100% rolled out yet of course Um, 
I think experts were expecting a spike soon anyways, which would be expected as, you know, our, our human patterns change with the seasons. That's kind of normal. When the weather gets nicer, we change our behaviors. Other bugs are in the air. Things like that. But so at the end of the day, you just got to fucking choose. And if it's wrong, it's wrong. You just got to go with it. You know, you can't tiptoe the fence. Or you can't straddle the fence so long. You can only do that for so long. Sometimes you just got to go with something. Even if it's wrong, be decisive with it. And that's what they did. So I do commend that. Because I don't think the lockdown strategy is working well for anybody. Because I feel like you getting sick. And if you handle that responsibly, 99.4% people will, of people will be fine. If you get sick and you do what you're supposed to do after that. If you don't get sick, you're just as, not just as likely, but you're likely to encounter other problems that are just as serious, if you ask me. So, I mean, reopening, yes, I agree with that 100%. Enough of keeping people cooped up in their homes. Getting rid of the mandate? Mm, I don't know. I feel like you could have met, you could have made half your constituents happy by keeping that for a little while longer anyways. And if it would help other people feel safe about it, I'd be on board with that. But the lockdown thing doesn't, it, it's not it anymore. It's just not. So, that, that it's just the way it is. Like, I don't think I'm wrong in that assessment. Like, the lockdowns don't work. They don't. Not for the greater good. Oh, but one life is important. Yeah. One life is important. But is it just as, I mean, does it matter if that person perishes because of something else that a lockdown caused? <sighs> it's hard to talk about these things because it's like you gotta like tiptoe. Like you do, it's hard not to just come out full blast and say what's on your mind because... Everybody gets offended at everything. It's so hard to talk. <laughs> it really is. But um, I don't think this one's too hard to talk about. Um, everyone's favorite governor, Andrew Cuomo. Three women came forward and announced, uh, brought forth evidence of sexual misconduct from the Emmy Award winning governor. God, that guy's a fucking asshole. So is his fucking idiot brother. CNN. CNN's a fucking joke. Anyways, um, yeah, um, the governor of New York who decided it was a good idea to take old people and send them to nursing facilities and 15,000 of them died of COVID who won an Emmy for his daily briefings on the coronavirus and his response to it. Um, is in some hot water, as he should be, with um, three, um, I think it was three, a third person came forward charging sexual misconduct. Good riddance. That guy was a tool. 
And you know what? This situation really makes me mad because 95% of the feedback I saw on it was like, good, this guy's an asshole. The other 5% were the what about him, the what abouts, the what aboutism people. Oh, but Trump did that. He 26 women. I got a twig up my ass. All I do is bitch and moan about everything on Twitter. You're a fucking loser. Trump's gone. Forget about him. Two. It's on can Like, it's literally proven. Like, right to you. Like, he was at some wedding and he had his hands on somebody and it was like, no, you can't do that anymore. So I'm not sure what's going to happen to him. He's certainly not winning election because I know he wanted to be a longtime governor of that state like his dad was. But um, here's another fucking thing, too. Um, Chris Cuomo's his brother. He's on. He's an anchor on CNN. I think he does like the 7 o'clock slot, 6 o'clock slot central time or 7 o'clock central time. And then I think Anderson Cooper follows him. That guy is an asshole, too. He'll go on TV and make all kinds of fucking idiotic, ludicrous statements about anything he wants to. And then when his brother comes up, it's a, he's like, oh, I cannot comment on the situation because he's my family. And it would be a huge conflict of interest. Well, no shit. Thanks. Thanks for finally doing your job. And, you know, why didn't you do your job... Before that, you had no problem saying shit about shit you didn't know about for months and months and months. And now you have some journalistic integrity. Fuck you. Fuck you too, Chris Cuomo. You both are scumbags. Fucking good riddance. But, yeah. I mean, the moral of that little rant was, like, why do we worship Worthless, incompetent leaders. Why do we do that? Why is Cuomo being nominated for an Emmy? He's an idiot. Why do we prop these people up on pedestals? I don't understand. <laughs> I don't get it. Just be competent and stop with the whatabouts. But what about this scenario 19 million years ago and this person did that, 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 and that, that. It's all relative, man. (laughs) It doesn't, don't, that situation is, you're comparing apples to oranges, even if they are very similar situations in my eyes. It's a totally different scenario because it's in the past. It's done. That was a terrible analogy, but I think you guys can get my point. It's like you can do something about this right now. You can't do much about something that happened 10, 15 years ago. Just handle it. Don't vote for the guy anymore because he's not going to get in any real trouble. They never do. They always get away with it. Just don't elect him again. Simple. Everybody whines about people, and it's like, uh, you know you do have the power to fix it, right? Anyways. Um, last little rant piece here, then I'll probably get off my soapbox and let you all have a good week. Um, it's kind of along the same lines, but Dr. Seuss got, um, canceled. Last time I checked, the guy's been dead for like 80 years, but could be wrong. I don't even know how old Dr. Seuss's books are. 
They're I feel like they're a hundred years old. They were old when I was a kid. That was twenty years ago. Um, yeah, I think Biden announced the Read Across America initiatives. Like six of his books were um, being taken off that list because um, of the racial undertones inside of them. Like they're children's books. Like that's all I should have to say, but <laughs> they're children's books. Spongebob is laced with sexual innuendos. They didn't get canceled. The guy died. Um, yeah, what? Why? Why are books canceled? That's like the decay of society. Why are... No. Like, I follow this uh, options trader on Twitter, and he's really conservative which I mean I'm not that crazy about but he does make some good points he read or he like tweeted a list of books that have been I don't know if they were like banned at one time or they're still banned or I'm not really sure I didn't have a ton of context into it and I was at work on my lunch break and I didn't dig into it too much but some of these books that were on this list were like books I read in high school. And I was in high school eight years ago. To Kill a Mockingbird. Lord of the Flies. 1984. I had to read all of those. 1984 is one of the best books ever written. Because it lays out the dystopian society that everybody is so afraid of. But why would they read a book? <laughs> to Kill a Mockingbird is one of the best books of all time. And one of the best movies of all time. Gregory Peck plays Atticus Finch. It's probably his most well-known role. It is a classic of American literature and cinema. It is a period piece of post-antebellum deep south. A history, almost. It is historical fiction. If that's getting canceled, why? Because it's had things in there that offend people? Well, I hate to offend you people, but you can't change the past. It happened. No matter how much you cancel or burn or erase or delete or ignore, you can't change the past. The best you can do is learn from it and hope it doesn't happen again. And do things to ensure they don't happen again. We can't undo slavery and all the bullshit that happened after it. You can try to fix it, but getting rid of a piece of yourself, I'm speaking for America here, turning a blind eye to that and pretending it never happened, or just as bad, making everything today a consequence of that, which it's not, systemic racism cannot be applied to everything not everybody is racist just because people don't agree with your 
way in wacky left field views doesn't mean they're racist or hate poor people. It doesn't make it go away. You have to embrace it. Then you have to change it. Does that make sense? I mean, like, you can say all these crazy things about, you know, what's, what's going on today, and you can, you know, have your New York Times journalists, you know, tie it together through this long, complicated web and get it back to, oh, this took roots in the 1860s. Like, one, you're an idiot. No, it didn't. And two, even if you were right, so, like, what are you going to do? Change it? Like, make it never happen? It happened. You just got it. We have to move forward together and remedy the situation best you can. And reparations are a huge, um, I shouldn't say huge. It's like a popular idea. One that doesn't work, I feel like. Then the defense of that is, oh, Holocaust survivors got reparations from the German government post-World War II. Well, yeah, that's because they were a part of it. And I'm not trying to be insensitive and say that, you know, slavery doesn't impact people today. Sure it does, right? I mean, their identity and as to who they are, they might have a different, you know, um, outlook on you know, themselves or their past or their ancestry, if that didn't happen. But they didn't experience that firsthand. And I think that's something that we need to get through our heads. Like, you can't just give people things after the fact because it's popular. I don't know. That's just how I feel. I mean, it's... You can't just erase things that happen because you don't like them. You got to embrace them. That's the moral of the story. Didn't mean to go get so long-winded there, but uh, that wraps up today's show. Kind of a real downer note here, but sometimes you got to do that, and it's my world. I do what I want. So you guys can follow me on Twitter, Instagram, and Snapchat at jakesawinski8 at J-A-K-E-S-A-W-I-N-S-K-I-8. Rate, review, subscribe, of course. Get some skin in the game and have a good week. Peace.